I am mining investor and editor of Resource Stock Digest, Mr. Joe Pesci, here with my partner, the Russian mobster, Mr. Nick Hodge, who's also an investor and the publisher of Daily Profit Cycle. This is the 244th episode of our weekly therapy session that we like to call Investing in Bizarro World. We're going to talk markets, we're going to talk gold, we're going to talk crypto, we'll talk Republican debates and politics and talk about some of the other stuff going on around the world. But before we get to all of that, Mr. Russian Mobster, how are you today, sir? Um, I'm doing good. I was thinking about doing a Russian accent, but I don't really have a good one, so I'll just <laughs> stay away from it. Um, I've never gotten Russian mobster before. I've, I've gotten some other people, but never Russian mobster, though. I can see um, Joe Pesci for you. We love those comments. So by all means, uh, keep them coming. And um, I feel like I talk enough. So um, I, I try to be a bit of a stoic in that sense and always say less than is needed. So with that, um, how are you? Comment of the year thus far. I literally laughed my ass off. Um, I laughed out loud. Um, no, 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 I'm fine. Coming off a cold. We were in New Orleans last week. I, I was able to, you know, make it through those couple of days and then got back. And I think we're getting towards the tail end of getting rid of the, this cold, flu, whatever allergy thing that I have going on. But no, 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 I'm relatively healthy and the wife still loves me and the kids are still healthy and they still love me. So life is good. I agree. Well, let, let, let's get right into it. I think... Um, Let's start with Jerome. Jerome just spoke. I don't know if you had a chance to catch it. We're recording this on November the 9th, Thursday. And Mr. Powell says he's still not confident that he's done enough to bring inflation down. This simultaneously while it's pretty clear to me anyway that we're in a recession, right? And, and, and not just here nationally, but globally. Thoughts on Mr. Jerome, thoughts on recessions and thoughts on um, what comes next from Mr. Powell. I was going to say, I didn't see what he said explicitly, but I can only imagine that um, he left the door to the tool shed open, the, the, the policy tool shed open, right? Because um, they have the tools that are needed to to bring this thing down to a soft landing is, is what I imagine he said. Um, it's funny, the, you the, mentioned you lead with the door comment. Did you hear the door comment? No. Oh, this is hilarious. Your segue was perfect. So he was speaking and these climate protesters we're in the hallway wanting to get in and they started chanting while he was speaking and he looked over and he goes, just close the fucking door. <laughs> I didn't say fucking cause that would be all. Yeah, yeah, he did uh, on, on, on Mike. And so I didn't have that one on my 2023 bingo card, but look, we've had aliens. We have uh, you know, we had them on a serious note of mass shooting last week. We didn't even touch on that because the world is so crazy and these things happen so often. Um, but, you know, on a lighter note, I didn't have Jerome uh, yelling, just shut the fucking door on a hot mic. So that was, it, it was pretty entertaining. Back to the policy stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, he's sort of <clears throat> backed into a corner at this point, And I think they're going to have to wait and see, which translates into the, the catchy saying of higher for longer. Right. So they've embarked on this rate hiking campaign. Um, it's now starting to slow the economy. Um, yet inflation remains well above their target. And the twice as high as the target and likely is going to remain there between three and a half and four percent for quarters to come. And so um, it's exactly what he says. It's, um, you know, he's calling a spade a spade and you can kind of take it at face value is that they're not sure if they've done enough. They got to wait and see what happens with inflation um, and GDP growth over the coming quarters. So um, you'll get a, a, an inflation number um, next week, this week, when you actually watch this. But after the, the uh, episode comes out, and like I say, it's going to show that 
um, inflation is still well above their target. And so they have to leave the door open. Um, does that mean they're going to, you know, hike the, at the next meeting? I don't believe so. Um, I think they're in a wait and see mode. And and that's why the market is 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 sort of all over the place. Uh, honestly, if I could give you a little bit of a wider of an answer, I think it's important to get out. So while we were gone in New Orleans, there was a jobs number and it was bad. It was 150,000 jobs created versus an expectation of 170,000. Not only did it miss that expectations, but there was like, um, call it half, just for easy math, of the jobs that were created, and maybe a little bit um, more than half, of the jobs that created the month before. And so uh, the market saw this as, look, jobs are slowing. Uh, the Fed is going to pivot, right? They always want the Fed to pivot. They always want their zero interest rates or at least their lower interest rate environment back. And that's why stocks went up um, at the end of uh, October and into early November. Um, the problem is that uh, the opposite is actually true. And uh, the, that was uh, sort of, uh, yes, the, the, the labor market's going to weaken, but not for a couple of quarters. That was um, relatively a, a one-off with some United Auto Workers stuff that was going on, some strike stuff that will likely um, remediate itself in the, in the coming month. Although, and so this is complex and nuanced, and so this is the time to pay attention, uh, the government has still revised the jobs number down every month so far this year. Um, and the last time that happened was 2007. Um, and the economy is contracting. I, I'd point to the ISM, which I was writing about in, in this month's issue of Foundational Profits, was it, which has contracted for 12 months in a row. Also, the last time that happened was uh, the global financial crisis. And so and you do have a weakening labor market and you do have a, um, a contracting economy, at least in manufacturing terms, um, except that the government um, has been spending. Obviously, look at the <laughs> deficit going up. It's one of the reasons that the economy, the U.S. economy, was able to grow in Q3. And so we talked about you know conflicting signals and, yep. and nobody, even the data orders, didn't know what was going on a couple of weeks ago with the St. Louis Fed um, and the Atlanta Fed you know, reporting disparate numbers for GDP. So- um, essentially, you're getting a whipsawing. Uh, you did have rates pull back a little bit on that jobs number, even in the in the market bond yields. I'm talking about, uh, but that's going to turn back around and, and go the other direction here, and you're going to continue to have slowing growth um, and then sticky high inflation, and and that's sort of just what it is. And and, and a lot doesn't work in that environment, and we can talk about that. But um, the short answer, because I just gave you a long non-answer, is. Uh, he's certainly not cutting rates, and they will likely leave them here for at least another meeting or two to see um, what plays out in the economy, given that you're starting to see some things go um, the contract contractionary nature. And, and you're going to start hearing that recession talk again, I think, as you get into the new year. I absolutely agree with everything you just said. And uh, see, he does speak. <laughs> Um, implications for gold. Gold is holding up again in, in, in very boring, but beautiful fashion as it's supposed to. The dollar index is still above 105. We saw it flirt with 107 before retreating. It now looks like it wants to run through 106 once again, but technically again, gold bounced exactly where you would want it to bounce. If we really are preparing for a next leg higher, whether that's at the end of this year or the beginning of 2024 thoughts on the technicals. I mean, you sort of just laid it out. Gold remains bullish. Uh, you continue to buy the uh, dips and that continues to pay off. Everyone wants to know what the catalyst is for, um, you know, all-time highs and a monthly close above 2,000. 
I, I don't have that for you uh, up my sleeve. What I can tell you is that there's a lot of potential catalysts out there, enough that um, given how gold has already performed, that it's um, a, a relatively safe um, bet or a, a safe place to have some capital in gold itself. And likely um, we'll see a catalyst for, for higher prices in the coming months, whether that's a, a banking event or a credit event or um, you know, the government is due to shut down on the 17th and, and, and that's not really out there a, a lot now. And, and the, the new speaker doesn't really have a, a good plan for that yet. So, you know, there's a lot of, oh, and there's a wars going on. So there's all these different <laughs> catalysts, right? So 2023 is a shit funny, show, y'all. <laughs> funny, not funny, right? It's funny, uh, not funny. With all these uh, irons in the fire or pots on the stove, you know, it only takes one to boil over uh, gold to go much higher. And so anyway... There's not a lot of places to be. And you mentioned a couple of them, uh, a lot of money in cash for me, a lot of capital in, in gold. Um, and, you know, it, gold stocks continue uh, not to work, but I can't help but um, look at some of them headed here into tax loss and, and want to start making my bed for 2024, given the, the value that's apparent in, in, in some of these gold stocks. Let's um, let's give the people their money's worth, Nick. Uh, we, we, we did our thing Last week in New Orleans, we highlighted some names. Uh, what a difference a week makes, at least in the gold space. We were talking Revival Gold uh, a couple of weeks back, and you um, so presciently mentioned that there was some financing risk and that, you know, to be careful, to put in some stink bids and, and, and to be patient. Sure enough, they just announced uh, a financing that, you know, dilutes the company by about 10, 11%. And, you know, this is the second time that we've had a financing that, um, is dilutive and and it doesn't come at opportune times. So let me be clear. I like revival a lot. I like the asset. I like the infrastructure. I love the jurisdiction. Um, I think management is top notch. The financing, the last the financings, the last two times have left something to be desired as a shareholder. And so I think there's an opportunity there for those of you that want quality gold exposure. Um, and now the financing risk is, is behind us. Cause I think it's baked into the price, right? Yeah. I'm not sure what the question is, except to say that, you know, this is one of those cases where you see how, um, the, the future shareholder value is, is, is eroded in the junior mining space by the constant need to, to finance and not necessarily on the terms you want, given what's going on in the, um, you know, broader economy and, 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 and the cycle, you know, the place in the cycle where you find yourself. So, um, it's one of those things where, you know, the market cap might end up paying off, but the, the share price doesn't, uh, as much. And so, um, it is an opportunity for, um, those looking for, for gold exposure, as I was just saying, you know, tax loss, uh, here headed into the uh, end of the year. Um, and on the positive side, it's good to actually get the financing done as opposed to watching the stock drift further um, and, and not pulling the trigger, uh, which you know some companies do and, and which Revival kind of did last time, although we're at lower prices now than we were at the uh, last financing. And so um, there's other companies out there that you can be looking at. And you mentioned, yeah, us doing our thing in New Orleans. There's companies that, that don't have to raise money and... Um, that are still trading at a discount. And so uh, there's opportunities to be had out there. And, and given that it's a free podcast, I think I'll, I'll keep some of those under my hat for now. I like it. I'll, I'll highlight one more just because they're reporting some monster numbers and we've talked about it in the past. This company actually is is doing the opposite of what most companies on the exchange are doing. It's it's actually hitting 52-week highs and deservedly so. Moss and Gold. I mean, 
Holy smokes, right? They had a, a hit back on October the 23rd that was 331 meters of 6.8 grams per ton gold. Now, caution, that's the subsidiary in Australia that had that hit, Southern Cross Gold, of which Mawson owns 51% of. Significant exposure there. They followed that up by drilling 20 meters of 62.7 grams per ton gold on a 100 meter up dip extension from previous results that were something like 1,490 grams per ton gold. So... If you look at a map, they're showing you where the visible gold is in the core on the assays that are pending. You're going to continue to get some monster hits out of Sunday Creek in Australia. Congratulations to Southern Cross, the team there. Congratulations to Moss and shareholders that had the patience to wait it out when it was down to 12 cents about five or six months ago. Now trading, you know, four times that, that, that level in the 35, 36 cent mark and likely headed much, much higher. Yeah, congratulations to, to Michael Hudson. Um, unfortunately, I'm not a shareholder, but it's good to see uh, gold stocks getting rewarded. Uh, quality discovery is still being re rewarded in the market for sure. It's um, you know good for Mawson and, and other gold exploration stories. It's good for the sector. Uh, let's talk about good for the sector. Lithium. Lithium continues to, in my opinion, bottom. I think uh, market sentiment in the lithium space and the equities is... At a 52-week low, I think the contraction's been healthy. I think it's been um, well orchestrated and aided and abetted by our our, our friends in China. And I, I look, I, I think we're hitting a bottom. And I think if you're looking for quality lithium exposure, everyone knows my favorite name. It continues to be my largest single, blah, blah, blah. You guys hear it every week, Patriot Battery Metals. But there's some names out there that at these levels, even producers that are printing cash that are looking pretty pretty attractive. And I'm going to keep some of those names to myself, just in fairness to subscribers that pay for the research that we do on the publishing side. But it's really appetizing and not a coincidence that you, myself, and you know several people in our group over the past several months have written pretty sizable checks to private and public companies that either are on the verge of going public or have just announced that they are now trading. So Definitely overweight lithium, definitely overweight Patriot. Nothing has changed there. I'm hearing good things um, about the relationship with Albemarle. They've, you know, Patriot's been very public about those good things. Albemarle, I think, has been very public about some of those good things. That relationship seems to be maturing. And I would not be surprised if we get an announcement here in the next couple of months. Though, I'll caution, everything has taken longer than I anticipated, including assays, right? So I'll, I'll caution there, but I do believe that a deal gets consummated over the next couple of months and that I think we finally start seeing some assays here within the next week. Those are overdue. The labs are backed up due to the fires this summer, um, but there's a lot of holes that have been drilled. And again, I think, uh, I think an update would serve the market well. I've had conversations with management. I think people want to know about Albemarle, people want to know what the plan is moving forward if a deal is consummated. And even if one is not with Albemarle, they want to know what is being envisioned since Patriot is already speaking about submitting a plan in early 2024. I got to believe that they already have a pretty darn good idea of how they want to approach um, production and a production scenario and then the permitting for that production. So I expect a lot of news between now in the new year, which isn't going to be the case for a lot of companies. And again, it's nice to have 150, 160 million in the treasury with some warrants expiring here soon that are absolutely going to be exercised since there are 75 cent warrants in the stock. It's still at 10 bucks, right? Absolutely. And if you want another free name, 
Um, Allchem is one I've mentioned yep. a couple of times over the years here. Um, and a new name, actually, because they will soon be, and uh, that's what I was looking up while you were talking, Arcadium uh, Lithium, we learned this week, because they will consummate the deal uh, merging with or acquiring um, Livent. And so um, here you'll get a diversified um, producer with assets um, in multiple jurisdictions, uh, including James Bay. So um, Arcadium Lithium is, is going to be the new name. And, you know, it's been the, the same with, with Alchem as it's been with, with other bigger names in the space, certainly um, trading at a discount relative to what I believe it's worth as this uh, lithium market continues to play out. Patient lithium speculators like patient uranium speculators are going to make a killing on this next leg up, folks. Sometimes the best thing you can do is just sit back and watch the market and let the market come to you. Get outside, go for a jog, go get some exercise, take your wife out somewhere nice, go hug your kids. There's other stuff to do, right? We're coming up on, on, on holidays here. If you have the luxury and the good fortune of having people you love around you, go spend some time with them. And it's not all about the markets. Says the guy who wakes up and goes to sleep thinking about the markets and then checks Australia all evening, much to the annoyance of my wife, right? But um, yeah, just a reminder, it's, it's it's not all about the markets. Some phenomenal opportunities. Let's talk uranium. It's, it hasn't quite yet broken past that 73, 74 level that I think it needs to before it shoots to 100. Um, technically, how's that looking in your chart of charts there, Mr. Hodge? Yeah, it's going to, and I'll tell you how I know. It's because other areas of the energy complex, like oil, are starting to break down, and uh, oil, or excuse me, uranium is, is holding up there. So um, sometimes you ask me about oil, and um, this time I was going gonna, to. <laughs> this time I'm just going to ask myself. So oil's broken down since the last time we've spoken, and um, it, a couple of things. You know, oil's been high for a while, uh, relatively higher sustained prices, and, and has been bullish and. <laughs> That's one of the things that causes recession and, and inflation, by the way, to, to remain sticky high. And so you've got those inputs working their way through the economy, affecting the inflation numbers, um, uh, affecting the consumer, um, and likely taking spending away from other places. I mean, the, the, the crude oil chart broke down from the, the mid-80s to the, to the high 70s um, this week and is in danger of, of going lower. Um, I, I was telling subscribers that oil is on a short leash and and then we'll be exiting our position as long as we can get a decent price this week. So um, I don't know how long that's going to be the case. You know, charts can can turn around quickly, but in the immediate term, um, oil has broken down. But back to uranium, uh, uranium did not break down. It has, you know, sold off a few pennies on the spot price, but it has held 73 um, very nicely. And um, I've been seeing, you know, more generalist chatter about it as well. You know, as it, I'm saying earlier, that not a lot working in the market. You know, you have cash, you have dollars, you have the very short end of the yield curve with everyone piled into to money markets and T-bills. Um, and beyond that, uh, there's gold and um, uranium. And I'm speaking even, and, and tech is, is working a little bit now, I should mention that, you know, even Apple having not great earnings and four consecutive quarters of, of down revenue. Um, the stock is still actually bullish. And so these Magnificent Seven continue to defy gravity. But um, anyway, and uranium is also working. And so because it's one of the few things that are working, um, I'm starting to see folks who aren't typically in the uranium space, you know, tweet and write about in, investing in uranium. And that's good for the sector. So um, yes, it's still bullish because it's uh, stayed up while oil went down. And, and also uh, more broadly, it's one of the few things that's working in the general markets as well. 
Well, we're starting to see big institutions and big fund managers like the whales of the world, the Druckenmillers of the world coming around to uranium. When that kind of capital starts looking at a market that's that small and opaque and the largest consumer, as we mentioned last week in New Orleans, the largest consumer of uranium, the utilities still is on the sidelines. It's the perfect setup for that overshoot to 200 that I keep calling for and that I think is is, is absolutely in the cards. And again, if I'm wrong about 200 and it just hits 100, the equities are going to absolutely run because they, they, they've they outperformed in this recent leg up. But there's a lot of runway still there, sure. folks. Yep. And then there's some good needs. I just, you know, we just put on a trade in Junior Resource Trader on the paid side, on the publishing side that I'll keep to myself for subscribers. But I'm going to start buying that one in the market, I think, pretty aggressively now that it's out. Subscribers have had the opportunity because it's a 15 to $17 million market cap with a management team that has sold assets consistently for hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars. They know how to create wealth. They have a huge land package in the Athabasca Basin, and it's a, it's a new listing, so it hasn't had the luxury of having a run higher. That, to me, is a perfect setup for a, tr a trade, a speculation, and even a, a, a mid to longer term investment of the company successful hitting in the basin. So I'll keep that one to myself. Subscribers, you know what it is. Um, adding that, Adding to that one. As, I mean, as you should. Even the big names, um, you know, uh, continue to generate news and then perform well. I mean, Chemico has been a great stock. You know, they're now officially, it's been a year, but, you know, going to officially merge with Westinghouse. And so uh, that's a big name to look at. Denison puts out great news as far as, um, you know, using ISR in the basin and, and different mining techniques. And so and some, some of the biggest names in the space are, are, are still worthy of consideration and um, adding on, on pullbacks. And so, um, I did that, you know, just this week I was buying some URNM. And so, yeah, there's still a, a ways to go, I believe. A lot to like, um, what is working right now? Crypto's working right now. Not a bad time to, uh, have subscribed to Mr. Chris Curl's, uh, million dollar crypto club. And so, any thoughts on crypto? 37,000. Uh, Mr. Curl called for a breakout. He's made other calls. I strongly encourage any of you that have any kind of speculative capital to allocate in the crypto space to go check out Mr. Curl's service. It's top-notch work, and, and frankly, he's nailed um, damn near every dip in Bitcoin here for the past, not just the past 12 months, the past several years, but formally um, the past 12 months. Yeah, we were early in launching his service. It was during the crypto winter, but uh, we were right on time with launching this uh, Million Dollar Crypto Club educational service, which um, coincided perfectly with the recent run we've gotten here in Bitcoin. And um, it's easy to lose track with all that's going on. Uh, and, and maybe a lot of people aren't focused on it because Bitcoin prices have been soft, but uh, Bitcoin has quickly found itself in the $36,000, $37,000 range. Uh, and the catalyst that I've mentioned before on this podcast um, continue to inch closer considering it's been a, a couple of weeks since I mentioned that most recently um, you have the SEC essentially saying that the approval of a, a spot Bitcoin ETF is an inevitability which is going to be in the um, next couple of months here um, that's going to create a lot of buying and then you have the Bitcoin halving um, in early 2024 which Chris has pointed out as one of his two major catalysts so uh, I've long said that that I hold Bitcoin. Um, it's in a safe sort of uh, like my gold holdings are, and I think about it like a like a physical holding. 
Um, I don't ne- like next to the bullets, people. Just let me, yep. let, me let me let me just preface before you try to get some funny ideas. Um, can't be a Russian mobster without bullets and a safe and some gold and <laughs> some Bitcoin. Everybody, it's fucking Russian mobster starter kit. Come on. Exactly. Uh, so it's good to see um, you know, <laughs> the price tick up a little bit. And and beyond that, I, I guess I would just say uh, and encourage you to sign up for that um, educational resource because it's free and it not only does it expand on those. Um, two different catalysts I, I, I just mentioned there, but it goes through some uh, case studies on on some widely held coins that, that Chris has had success with in the past and shows you how you can follow um, the model portfolio that he's putting together, that he's put together and is putting together for, you know, what he sees as the um, next leg of uh, the crypto cycle, which is up and much higher. So um, that, not much to add other than that. We'll put links up and and we'll certainly have this, you know, mailed out and, and on the website with a link to sign up for that million dollar crypto club. Um, and, and, and just stepping back, I guess, and looking at it from a macro perspective, some of the same tailwinds as as gold, right? As far as the the fear and the government instability and then the, and the ongoing inflation, and so um, the, and and I guess also with you know China returning to a bit of a dovish stance, right? We say that that stimulus is good for gold, and, and we forget that Bitcoin's a global asset. So, um, you know, with Asia turning to to stimulus, that's additional tailwinds for the for the for the crypto scene there. I was, <laughs> I was, and, and look, I didn't watch the whole thing. I watched some highlights, but let's pivot to politics just briefly. And I laughed because again, twenty twenty three is just an absolute shit show. Um, I was listening to some of the debate and I actually, while disappointed as always, as I am with all politicians, most politicians, I was actually encouraged on hearing some of the outspokenness against financing wars that we can't pay for, um, blowing up our balance sheets and spending, you know, nearly a trillion dollars a year on a defense budget when we can't secure a border and, and 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 then sending our troops to fight in all sorts of conflicts that have very little to do with us while our infrastructure crumbles our you know all of our policies are just hot garbage right now here in the US it was refreshing to see a couple of those politicians even the ones that i really really don't care for have the uh the honesty to speak to who the politicians are beholden to right that being the military industrial defense complex and corporations and lobbyists, right? So I, that that was good. I tried to highlight the good for once, right? Who was it? Because uh, I watched some of it as well. Was it Vivek? Vivek, yeah, that little dude. <laughs> and he's a, yeah, he, he's a squirmy little dude. I don't, I don't, I, I don't think I'd have a beer with that guy. But he was on point on that point. And again, I could not like the person and like some of the ideas. And that's why I think we should vote ideas and not people. But that's yeah, that's not for this generation yet. I don't believe. Yeah, it was interesting to watch. Um, I, I didn't have too many great takeaways from it. Um, uh, on the social aspects, the the Republican Party still rubs me the wrong way. Um, definitely with that, with that, with the God stuff and the and the and the Bible thumping. But um, I guess I'll just give you my my straight up thought. <laughs> Sad when Chris Christie is making the most sense on the stage, and I told you that before we started recording. <laughs> I never was big on that guy to begin with. And so for him to be, at least for me, be making the most sense on the stage was sort of like, man, I can't believe that's what you got. And don't forget the guy who's leading them all. And in fact, 
um, is leading Biden in the polls, even according to the New York Times this week, is is Mr. Donald Trump, who doesn't even bother to show up to these um, events and is uh, under indictment and in court and doing whatever else he's um, doing. Donald then- Duck is what Chris Christie has labeled him, Donald Duck, and it's pretty funny. It's 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 you know it's it's clown show time, and then that's that's that one was catchy to me. Donald Duck is funny because he keeps ducking the debates. And then what else was I going to say? Um, oh, um, yeah, none of those people on the stage do it for me. Biden doesn't do it for me. I continue to hear good ideas still coming out of younger folks that I, again, don't necessarily fully agree with. But um, Josh Hawley last week, I believe, introduced legislation to overturn a Citizens United, which I do believe would be a, a wonderful thing for the, yes. the government to do. Um, and so there's some good ideas coming. Um, I don't think they're fomenting enough to... I'd be consequential in, in this election cycle. And um, it's probably no coincidence that the fourth turning has been delayed until uh, the early 2030s. And so um, I'm just sort of taking a pass on this one, I guess. But you know how, you know me, I was watching with with popcorn. There's going to be a lot of opportunities um, for the popcorn. Um, we'll leave it there. Um, I was going to talk about the EU digital wallet. I want to be better informed before I do that. It's... Um, it's very real now. It's not a conspiracy theory anymore. Uh, there's actually a, a bill that was just passed that'll, you know, that formalizes an agreement. So maybe next week we'll pick that one up um, and then chat a little bit more, unless you have anything to say uh, this week. No, I haven't read about it, and I'm sure uh, Mr. Curl will, will write about it. So um, like you, yeah, let's wait. Excellent. Um, the dollar, thoughts on the dollar. I know we kind of touched on it with the markets and gold, but the the bond market is volatile to say the least. You know, when you have um, 15 basis points up in yields for the 7, the 10, the 20, and the 30-year bonds in a matter of an hour or two, those are very dangerous moves for the global economy. That's the kind of volatility in the bond markets that forces things to break. It's really hard to allocate capital if you're, a country, a corporation, a fund, when, you know, the, the 30 years moving 15 basis points in the matter of an hour or two. I mean, it's 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 dangerous stuff that's going on in the bond market. I don't know what breaks. If this volatility continues, something on a significant scale is going to break in the markets, folks. That's why I say there's not a lot of great places to be and the dollars and, and gold are one of them. Um, you're going to see, yeah, like I said earlier, higher for longer rates, and that's good for the dollar. Hawkishness is good for the dollar. Um, it's still in a bullish trend, and, and like you've said, for, for years, you're going to have the gold moving up um, commensurately with that. Uh, I, I'll give you a longer answer outside of the dollar and talk about something I wanted to talk about this week, which is um, the target date funds and, and Wall Street's 60-40 portfolio. So you mentioned the mm-hmm. bond market volatility. Um, you know, people don't really understand the bond market because they don't interact with it on a on a day to day basis. It's not like a share of Apple or, or something that is more um, in the in the public zeitgeist. Right. Not like people out there buying and selling bonds. So, um, but nonetheless, it's a it's a significant portion of lots of people's retirements, and it's a, it's a significant portion of what's long been and considered the you know a wise allocation for retirement, yep. which is the sixty forty allocation of, of 60% equities and then 40% bonds, and then increasing that percentage of bonds because they're safer as you approach retirement age. Let me say that again, increasing that percentage mm. of bonds as you approach retirement age because they're safer. But so what's happened here? You've got the, the worst bond market ever. Uh, the quote from 
a Bank of America analyst last week was, this is the greatest bear market for bonds of all time. And, and you it's a know, long time. Back, all time is a long time. That means forever. So what's happened, right? Um, you've got these target date funds, you know, that people uh, allocate to in, in their retirement. You know, we have them. We offer a retirement plan for our employees. I was just looking at it this week. There's 39 funds you can choose from. Nine of them are target date funds. A quarter of the, the funds that they get to choose from are target date. Um, and so um, imagine this. And this is fresh in my head because I was just writing about it. You own a Vanguard target date 2025. That's in that's in two years. Uh, retirement fund. And imagine you're, you know, a teacher, you've been working for 30 years and you're set to retire in 2025. You don't know anything about stocks. So that's a lot of choices. 39. I'm just going to pick mm -hmm. 2025 target day fund because that's when I'm supposed to retire. Well, guess what that fund does? It automatically moves you into a higher allocation of bonds because you're getting older and you're approaching retirement age. And so that 60-40 should now be, you know, a higher percentage of bonds. And that fund does that automatically. Well, guess what? And it's time for, for Susie teacher to retire. Um, that fund I was reading, the, the prospectus is for anyone who's starting to retire in 2023 to 2027, 2023 this year. Oops. If you, if you look at the performance of that fund, it's lost 26% of its value in the past 18 months. So let's be generous and say, as uh, Susie had $500,000 shit saved for, for retirement. And now she has less than $400,000 saved has lost over $100,000 in the last two years as she heads into the target date of her retirement, right? And so why? Because the bond market has imploded. Mm. And the, the, the 2025 coincided with a rate hiking cycle. And despite her saving and despite her going into the fund that Wall Street told her was for her year of retirement, Ooh. it was the precise wrong thing to do for the past two years. Worse. I looked at the chart of that fund uh, going back for 10 years, and it's trading at the same net asset value it was trading at in 2014. And so people that own that target date 2025 retirement fund, expecting to retire starting this year per the fund's own advertisements, have seen a lost decade of wealth. If you own the 2025 retirement fund from Vanguard as your primary asset in an IRA um, or a 401k, you haven't seen... I, I'll say hardly and spare myself the lawsuit appreciation in your uh, retirement account. Yeah. You've gotten some dividend and you've gotten some yields, but the, the, the net asset value of that, of that fund uh, is the same as it was 10 years ago. And that's not and good so, news folks. Well, and, and so, so I don't know, hopefully people follow, can follow along with that. Certainly if you check your account once every quarter or once every six months, you're going to realize very quickly what just happened. And all that to say, it's one of the reasons why I do what I do, both personally and professionally, as far as managing the, the money and the retirement and the allocations myself. Because and in, in yeah. that sort of scenario where you just lost a quarter of your nest egg, it's better to be just be flat, right? We joke in the, with junior mining that flat is the new up. But when you're <laughs> dealing with long-term retirement wealth and yeah. hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars, not losing anything is is certainly much better than um, having just seen a 26% drawdown in your account. So anyway, that's what we try to empower people to do. And at least in foundational profits, that's what it's about. Because um, again, I'm joining on, but uh, we've sidestepped a lot of that carnage. We haven't owned any bonds and uh, we haven't been largely in the stock market. And so uh, the combination performance over the past two years for us um, is not a 26% drawdown. I can assure you that. Yep. 
Well said. Well said. Uh, for those of you that didn't catch all of that, I would rewind it and listen to it again because it's important and you're going to see a lot of funds get blown up. And unfortunately, it's going to have real world consequences for everyday Joes and Marys and Marias and Jose's, right? So be careful out there, folks. Also, I'm supposed to remind you to go to dailyprofitcycle.com forward slash subscribe to get all of the updates, reports, research, all for free, straight to your inbox, not just for Mr. Hodge and myself, but from our talented cast of editors that cover all things tech, crypto, cannabis, gold, resource space, bio, you name it, you're going to find something there for you. And much like this podcast, it's free, folks. We guarantee you your money back if you are not satisfied for any reason. And sometimes we even read your comments on air. Keep them coming. I absolutely love them. What are we watching this week, Nick? Um, hold on. I got to tell you about this sign in the, in the New Orleans restaurant called Mother's that said, because you were talking about getting your free money back. It says, um, it, but they were talking about credit. And it said, if you have a, uh, if you want credit, you can go to our credit manager. Uh, her name is Helen Waite. If you need credit, <laughs> you can go to Helen Waite. So if, you, if, you, if you have a complaint, that's where you can go. I love it. I'm watching in the market. So. And for the third week in a row, volatility, because um, it bounced up. And uh, yet again, it was suppressed on the back of that jobs numbers. The stocks went up. Um, the tech stocks were bought. The protection in the form of puts was not bought, which led the VIX to go down because it's based on the the, 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 the puts and the calls that are bought on the S&P. And so um, you've had a suppression of that volatility, which is going to return. Um, and that's going to allow these these stocks to be. Um, and much have much wider price swings, uh, likely to the downside as we head into the end of the year here. So um, eyes on the volatility for me. Yeah, eyes on volatility for me as well. I expect finally some results from Patriot by the time you all get this. I expect them this week. So fingers crossed there. They're overdue. I touched on it a bit earlier. What else am I looking at? There's another opportunity in the lithium space that is way oversold due to warrants being exercised. Um, that expire on December the 1st, not Patriot, but some uh, some other company that uh, subscribers will get an update on. It's a heck of an opportunity um, to average down. It's below the most recent financing price. And so um, if you're a subscriber to Junior Resource Monthly, look out for that over the next couple of days. That's really it. You know, the rest is uh, the rest. Looking at gold, um, surprised by the relative strength of copper, despite all the doom and gloom headlines and looking to see the lithium sector bottom here within the next month once we make it past tax loss selling season. So um, I think that's about it. Mr. Hodge, you want to you wanna, you wanna send us off today? I think that's it. One more before we fry the turkey or um, roast it, if that's, what you, if that's what you're doing. It's a great time to get a head start on your Christmas shopping, folks. Beat the crowd. It's kind of like investing and speculating in the markets. You can't do the same thing everyone does and then expect different results. So that's all. That's all we got this week. This was episode 244 of our weekly therapy session that we like to call Investing in Bizarro World. I am not Joe Pesci. I'm, though I love Joe. I'm Gerardo Del Real, along with Mr. Nick Hodge. Y'all be safe out there. We can be the two youths. Hey there, you independent-minded investor. If you like this video, make sure to tell us so by clicking the like button below. Subscribe to our channel so you never miss another one. And share it with everyone you know on social media. You can also click the link in the description below to check out more information-packed videos just like this one. Thanks for watching.